Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so guys are arriving in Indianapolis at the Combine. I don't think the workouts start till like the middle of the week. Thursday. Thursday is when they start? Okay, yeah. there you go. Thursday. I think quarterbacks are on Saturday. They did. Uh, they, it used to be like a two-day process before your workout where now they've, they've tried to stretch it out so guys aren't so exhausted. Because guys used to have to... You'd, have, you'd get woken up for your drug test at like 4 a.m., oh. which was like, yeah, now you can go back to sleep for an hour if you like. Yeah, whatever. And then you'd, and then you'd have like medical tests all day long and your Wonderlick and all that other stuff. And they, you'd do that for two straight days. And then on the third day, it's like when they got you good and tired, they'd have you work out. So now they've, uh, I believe, they give you three days in the lead up to the workout. Okay, yeah, because who doesn't want to spend more days in Indianapolis, right? In February. Yeah, a yeah, it feels like that. Uh, what's that movie about the the train in the future? Snowpiercer feels a little bit like Snowpiercer. You you're you're so. stuck in this little. You can't go outside. It's too cold. It'll kill you if you go outside at all. And it's just hyper competitive within, mm-hmm. within this little bubble you're in. Yep. It's a combination of Snowpiercer and the NBA playoffs bubble from okay. COVID. From yeah. Orlando. Okay, I like There's it. There's less sex going on. <laughs> yeah, than apparently yeah. there was with the Rockets at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Looking at you, Daniel House. Um, all right, so so things to watch for for Texan fans over the next few days in Indianapolis over the next week or so. Um, number one, D'Amico and Nick Casario are both going to speak to the media. This will be other than other than Nick's little kind of media circuit junket that he did at the Super Bowl that one day, where he he came on with us, he came on with McAfee. Um, they've both done Texans radio a couple times, probably. This will be this will be the first chance in a national media setting like this in a long, long time for D'Amico and Nick Casario. I'm anxious to see. I always like this one, and this is no disrespect to our local media who cover the Texans beat. I always like the combine, Seth, because yeah. you get to see what the topics are that the you know you get to kind of view the Texan through a national prism based on the questions that they're asking of both guys. Right. Yeah, and I think with uh, with. 
Casario, for instance, I think there's going to be retroactive questions about C.J. Stroud and what you saw and all of this and that and the other thing, which is in, it'll be interesting because <laughs> Nick Nick will get credit for taking C.J. Stroud. Yet at the same point, I think I think the Texans pretty much had the attitude that look just like just like D'Amico had said long before the draft, before all the other speculation and flat out lying by media members. Um, I think they were going to take whichever quarterback was available to them. They, they had an opportunity to trade up to number one, reportedly, but they thought it was too expensive. So they, they liked both those guys. They know it's a crapshoot, and they were going to take one of those. In answering that question, though, like, okay, well, would you have taken Stroud or what have you? Nick has to be careful because he never wants to insult CJ somehow and just saying, you know, yeah, yeah there are a dime a dozen these QB prospects. We're just going to take whichever one was available to yeah. him. Yeah, he's lucky he was so good. Yeah. <laughs> Which one are you and more looking at? got up there and said, no way in hell we were going to take Bryce Young. Are you kidding me? You <laughs> hey, look kid? at him. He got squashed God. like a grape. Oh, um, I thought about taking him, then I saw him weigh in, and I thought he was some kid that had snuck in there. I thought he was a YouTuber. I thought it was a YouTube prank. <laughs> so I just didn't want to overreact and you know, yeah, call security, because then I know I'd have gone viral. That's right. Um, so, D'Amico, noon on Tuesday. Nick Casario, noon on um, on Wednesday. I don't know that we're going to carry those live or not during In the Loop, but I promise you we'll have tons of audio from both of them. Um, number two, so that's number one, Casario yeah. and D'Amico. Number two, do any deals get done this week? I think that's what people need to remember. The Combine ostensibly is a place where a bunch of draft prospects are working out for 32 teams, but this there's hundreds of agents there. It's really a de facto summit meeting almost for the 32 teams, the front offices, and the various agents, it is a tamper fest. All kinds of tampering going on <laughs> there. Florio's going to write at least 19 Be posts ready. about that. Yes. The Be tampering ready. that goes down. But nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> Except for me. No one's courageous. No I'm one's the one that'll courage. talk about the thing that yes. nobody actually wants to read about either. The courage to bring it up on my website. Um, I think that... <laughs> I would say for Texan fans that Dalton, for me at least, Seth, I'm thinking, okay, if anything could pop this week, what could it be? Yeah. I'm going to say Dalton Schultz. I would put Dalton Schultz at the top of my odds board. You know what? We haven't mentioned this probably as much as we should have. The official salary cap figures came out Ooh, yeah. uh, this weekend, Dude. and it was about $10 million higher than what people anticipated. Yes. $255 million? Yes. And they thought it was going to be around 245 or so, or at least a lot of people did. And I don't know. I don't know how much maybe league insiders knew about this. There really weren't any leaks that were that said it was going to be more than it was. So it's a combination of like COVID revenue that had been put off, a bunch of new revenue streams from TV deals and gambling and all that have boosted the total amount of revenue. So that boosts the total amount of the salary cap. Because of that, I think there will be teams that were on the fence as to whether we could, uh, you know franchise tag this guy or yes. not if it's going to be worth it 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 fits in really nicely with hey that 10 million dollar increase for a guy like dalton schultz that that covers two-thirds of what you'd have to pay him for the franchise tag yes and like i, I think that might very well work now you pointed this out last night when we were texting and i hadn't thought of this you scrooge it's that this also means that other teams can franchise tag guys that maybe they weren't going to like, uh, sure. like Matabike, for instance, mm -hmm. was the first guy I thought of the defensive tackle for the Ravens. I would imagine that now the Ravens might feel like, okay, we had our plan for how we were going to get down to, to below the cap. 
But now we have this little bonus where, yeah, maybe we just go ahead, and if we can't come to a deal with Matabike, we just franchise tag. Yeah, or there may have been teams that were thinking, okay, we got to cut this guy, and there would have been cap casualties. Yeah. Like, I think overall this increase in the cap, it, it would have been, been better for the Texans if the cap did come in at 245 than 255. Because keep in mind, everybody's getting this increase. It's not a team-specific thing. So I, I think there would have been... I think there would have been more names out on the marketplace ultimately for the Texans, either via um, guys not getting franchise tagged or teams having to do more in terms of cutting guys to get under the cap. Now it just gives teams a little more flexibility to hang on to guys or to tag them. But that's a great point with Schultz, Seth. Like the amount that it looked like this was going to be, 245, and the amount it wound up being is almost identical to the franchise tag for a tight end. It's 12 million bucks for a franchise tag for the tight end, you know? Um, so I, we, so we, maybe we see something with Schultz, whether it's a deal or whether it's a tag this week. Yeah. The, uh, the official numbers came out on Friday or Saturday. The, the tags you tight, mean? Tight ends. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's only 10.878 million okay. this year for tight ends. So, okay. uh, that's a, that's a, that's a bargain. I think the, my grandma, my grandma would have paid that and she grew up in the depression for a tight end. Yeah. It's a relative pittance. She didn't that, let us throw away anything. She would have, she would have been like, yeah, pay Dalton. Sure. I got, I got cash. That does Bitch. feel low. That's what she used to say all the time. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Go pay Dalton in cash. Pay, pay Dalton bitches. Mm-hmm. That's what she would say. Mm-hmm. Um, number three. Uh, I don't think, I don't think this combine is going to be nearly as I'll call it prospect centric for Texan fans. Like, I don't know if people are going to go out of their way to watch defensive linemen running around. Maybe you will. I do think people are going to watch the running back day for the Texans. Um, But instead, Seth, I anxiously await the tweets of the Texans met with blank at the Combine today. I like those. Those are fun. Yeah, you you can't meet with everybody. You can only meet with so many guys. So, yeah, who do they choose to meet with? Yeah, man. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Texans meet with blank. Do you think that the Texans meet with any of the quarterbacks? Uh, they sure as hell aren't yes. drafting any of them. But I well, like- yes, they'll meet. Sorry, with you say with any, yes, they will meet. I was because in my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, what would there be a reason to meet with Caleb Williams or somebody? Um, not much, but I think with the, obviously the lo- the the, the back tier guys, uh, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I think they choose to meet with some of those guys. Okay, because those are at, like you're always in need. You're always looking for a backup quarterback. Yeah, um, you know, I look. Davis Mills is only under contract for one more year. Yep. Will they franchise tag him next year? I <laughs> doubt it. Mills. I doubt yeah, it. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Let me see what the franchise tag is for Davis Mills for next year. $30 million. Bucks. It's uh, $38 let, million. Yeah, dollars. can't let D. Millie walk, man. <laughs> Still got CJ under a rookie contract, so you can afford to pay his back of $38 million bucks. Look, if Casario wants to get fired because he wants to go back up to New England or something, that's yeah. what he would do. That would be like the death by franchise tag. <laughs> suicide by franchise tag. Yeah. He would tag Davis Mills. That's right. Like, what are you going to do about it, huh, McNair he, family? He, he doesn't have a Lombardi trophy to tie to his bumper and drag around the parking lot, so he's just going to start yeah, doing yeah. irresponsible things <laughs> with the roster. Um, I will say this, number four on the list. Uh, reasons to, to dial into the combine. I am interested in, in, I guess I'll call it QB watch this week, although you're the first one I've seen point this out. Caleb Williams will not be throwing this week. Jaden Daniels will not be throwing. They're going to wait yeah. for the cozy confines of their pro days to do that. Do we know yeah. Do we know anything about Drake May? He's the other guy in the top three. I haven't seen anything about him yet. He should uh, throw. Do the CJ thing, bro. Do it. Yeah, then you look better. Yes. Now, did it help CJ get drafted higher than Bryce Young, who didn't throw? Bryce Young, who cowardly tucked his tail between his tiny little legs and, and slunk out the door early. 
Hi, guys. Hi, <laughs> I'm going to show my leadership quality. You got to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. What's up, guys? So, How are you doing? Everyone good? Yeah, we're yeah. good. We're good, Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I'm, so whichever QBs throw, I'll be interested to see. I always love the gushing on there, too. But look at this guy. Look at, the, look at him let it rip against the air. Yeah. Daniel Jeremiah, in his pre-combine press conference last week, brought up a couple things about Caleb Williams that, that made me think, all right, yeah, let's, let, me, let me not stop. It's so easy to pile on Caleb Williams and to, to hate the kid that's, yeah. you know. Cried on his mommy's yeah, shoulder after yeah. a game. <laughs> he had a rough season, but yet he's still uh, viewed as like the, a tier above everybody else by a lot of people. Some people don't, but most people, a lot of people view him as a tier above everybody else in his own category. Jeremiah did point out just how bad USC's defense was, and uh, they were bad. You know, Caleb yeah. Williams, like so, so he ended up. Sometimes when you question some of the judgment of some of the things Caleb Williams was doing, they were chasing points a lot. Like mm-hmm. they were just they were gonna have to win these shootouts. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of just all right, grip it and rip it approach there, and that that he was undefeated when USC could manage to hold a team to less than 24 points. I guess the one thing we could see movement on this week, Seth, given where everybody is, you know, the proximity, is the Justin Fields situation. As long as you're bringing up Caleb Williams, that's kind of what it makes me think of, is the Bears, they almost, I mean, they need to do something pretty soon, just because free agency is going to be starting. I mean, I think it's, I think guys that go to Chicago, especially offensively, are going to want to know, are we playing with Justin Fields? Are we playing with Caleb Williams? What are we doing here? So I would expect that we could see some movement, if not some serious smoke, on when we're going to see some movement with yeah. the Justin Fields situation in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. That's um, Justin Fields and him unfollowing. <laughs> it wasn't as much him unfollowing the Bears on social media, but like him explaining that, that he just wants to have an answer and find out. It's, I felt – it feels <sighs> – I guess it's like Baker Mayfield, right? When when the I mean Baker Mayfield was still on the roster when the Browns were openly pursuing Deshaun Watson. He was, yeah. And like you've got this former over first overall pick that's got to you know be handled somehow. It gets a little bit awkward. So yeah, I think with Justin Fields, it's one thing you know with Baker. At least if they're signing another veteran quarterback, it probably doesn't sting quite as much is when you're Justin Fields and you might get pushed out the door by a, a new number one mm-hmm, overall pick. Mm-hmm. That part just stings right there. Yep. So I could see where he'd get up on his feelings a little bit. A little bit. Um, text message, if you could only pick one offensive player in this draft, who would it be? It'd be Marvin Harrison Jr., but the Texans aren't going to get him. I'm assuming you mean for the Texans, Texter. My, oh, okay. my, my dream is Brock Bowers falling yeah. to a range that Nick can trade for him. Yeah, exactly. I think realistically for what you need and uh, – and, and that includes whether they keep Dalton Schultz or not. I mean, again, that, that increased cap space gives you the luxury, perhaps, of franchise tagging Dalton Schultz, maybe come to a new deal with him, um, but also bringing in another young tight end to work alongside him. Brock Bowers would be that guy. There's some speculation that, look, this Brock Bowers is a top 10 talent in the draft, but those top 10 teams are all going to be... Most of them are going to be drafting for need, most likely. Mm-hmm. So a tight end might start falling down by the wayside. Yes. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's a. It'd be a. I mean, it's it's not cheap to move up from twenty three to fifteen, though. So I, I like I, I, I'm still skeptical that it would happen. Yeah, it's not given what they did last year. It's it's not. It's it's. I mean, it shouldn't be quarterback prices, but the Texans damn near paid a quarterback price to move up and get Will Anderson. So who knows? Um, I, I don't like. That's the one thing. Like. 
I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but whatever the cost to move up is, Nick doesn't get scared of it. And I'm talking when he moves up to get Nico Collins in the third round a few years ago or moving up to get Will Anderson with the third overall pick. Yeah. I think this is a good point about the salary cap. Someone says free agent costs are probably going to go up to match the increase. I, I agree with that, but I do think like the franchise tag is a fixed cost that only you control whether you use it or not. That's the big yeah. the biggest thing the salary cap increase is going to impact are teams that are making decisions with the franchise tag. Yeah, with the franchise tag, there's nothing you can do to take that that money off the cap. You know, you have to maneuver, you know, finagle other guys' salaries and what have you. That's not really that's not a huge issue for the Texans. Other than that, if they were looking to be, I think if the Texans are looking to be aggressive in free agency, it's still going to look a lot like what Nick has done in the past, and that I think it's going to be shorter term contracts. So you can spread that out. It's just going to be a higher caliber of shorter-term contracts. Yep. But I'd be – he likes to have that flexibility. It's why in any given year the Texans always spend more money than you, you think they must be because they do a lot of one- and two- and three-year deals. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy the, – the stupid purchase I would make is the center out of Oregon, Jackson Powers Johnson. But there's – I mean, there's no way in hell they would do that unless they're really out on Juice Scruggs. Yeah. And, and I don't think they're out on Juice Scruggs. Juice Scruggs struggled, struggled at guard, but – I he struggled at guard in the way I think a lot of good centers would still struggle at guard. Yeah, um, like Scruggs just has that kind of body type that's uh, that's that's built more for center than guard. Uh, so I, I think they're going to give him at least one year to figure out his actual chosen position. And I'm optimistic about him. Yeah, I am too. I am too. Um, text message: Why are we trading up for a tight end and not for O line? Um, well, one, it's Seth's and my dream scenario, Brock Bowers, because Brock Bowers is the tight end we're talking about. I. I, I think if you're somebody who thinks the Texans are going to go balls to the wall to maneuver, sure. go get O-linemen, use high draft picks on O-linemen, I think you're going to come away disappointed. I, I don't think they're going to do that. Well, this is what you got. You got to remember this. You got to remember this. They played with only two starting offensive linemen the entire season. They, had, they, they started off the season with four backups, some of them third stringers. Yeah. And by the end of the year, they were they were starting their like fourth option at center. Their left guard was a guy that it very it was backups like the the whole way through, um, including when Titus Howard was there. So your right tackle, your center, and your left guard were all backups and replacements. Some of them second and third and fourth stringers at times. So um, if Juice Scruggs can play center, you get Titus back to right tackle, and then it's just a huge question mark about left guard. But look, man. If you can't if you can't scrap together just a passable left guard, you don't you've already got guys that you feel good about at four year positions, if healthy and everything. You can't you can't go spending a first round pick on a left guard. No. I mean you could, I just don't think you need to. No. Yeah, you, you can be a Dude. really, really good offensive lineman uh, with one just blue collar guy at left guard if you have to. He better be Will Shields. If 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 the Texans in the situation they're in right now are drafting left guards with that twenty third overall pick, yeah. He better be a sure freaking thing, man. Well, that would be the thing, yeah. If he is I mean like the the Ravens strategy would just be like, yeah, no matter who we are, we're gonna we're gonna take a good guy. But there aren't a lot of stud guards in this draft too. No. So I mean, that's the other answer is there's a stud center, but I think the, the, the Texans got to play it out with Juice Scruggs there, which is fine. I don't think you're putting a square peg into a round hole there. Yep. And they're very happy with their offensive tackles. So and there's just not a guard in the first round really. All right, acknowledge me. We do it every Monday. We do it at this time. We acknowledge. Big performances from over the weekend, people that impressed us. You want to text in some suggestions? We're open to them. I've got a few in front of me right here, and we will acknowledge next. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, let's do this. Let's acknowledge. You do acknowledge me. Give me the music, Ben. Give me some acknowledge music. There we go. There we go. Road to WrestleMania, Roman Reigns. All right, let's acknowledge um, the big performances from this past weekend, from over the past several days. I'm going to start with somebody who I feel like we acknowledge each and every week. C.J. Stroud. Acknowledge me. We acknowledge C.J. Stroud for this. At this point, Seth, the Amber Rose situation, which was a heavy, heavy topic last Monday for everybody, <laughs> yes, has either was either a, either a non-event. Right word. It was either yeah. it was either a non-event. He dropped <laughs> yeah. her off at the hotel, or it is something that he's managed to kind of keep on the down low. With the form of like a ten-year vet at this point, the way he's handled look, it. Look, I I'm going to analyze body language, which is something I don't typically like to do, but I will in this okay, in this good. moment. I'm here for this. Yeah, uh, I think I find. I, by the way, I find myself saying that more and more. I don't typically like to analyze body language, but here we go to the point now where I'm realizing. Yeah, okay, I do. I, I analyze body language. Okay, C.J. Stroud, and when as soon as he stepped out the door there and saw those cameras, he had the look of like, oh. Man, I'm, I, boy, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to be a nice guy here, and I know what this is. I know. Yep, I see where this is going. Yep, yep this is gonna be. This is gonna be a whole lot of, a whole lot of crap. My for at time, least a week. My timeline is gonna be a mess tomorrow. I'm gonna have to talk to my mom about this. I gotta talk to my mom about this at some point. Yeah, great, mom weighed great. in on it too. That might have scared. Her. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what his intentions were when he got in the car. Yeah. I feel like as soon as he realized, like, ah, boy, I'm gonna have to tell my mom. Like hey, uh, it, he. That's when he was like, "Yes, goodbye, Amber, Miss Rose. Goodbye." Yeah. Yes. Maybe your maybe your kids and I can get together for a play date or something. But yeah. <laughs> well, whatever the case, it is. It it appears to be a dead issue at this point. So good job by. I'm going to give C.J. Stroud credit for that. We've acknowledged him for that. Joe Espada, acknowledge me. Astros manager. We're going to acknowledge him. Um, I like this move. Jordan in the two hole that Espada talked about yesterday. I like the move. I like what the move symbolizes, which I think that's a move that feels like something that analytics people get in your manager's ear and say, look, it's working for the Yankees. It's working for the Angels. Jordan Alvarez is a hitter on the level, if not above, those guys that are in the two-hole for those teams. And on a deep lineup like this, where he should come up once the game gets going with plenty of opportunities with runner on base, we should look at doing this. So I I just like the whole vibe around the Astros spring training right now, Seth. 
There is something about Espada where I'm I'm optimistic, or at least I'm hopeful that, man, in a lot of ways, he's different than Dusty, and, and not in a way where I'm criticizing Dusty. Like, Dusty was the guy that, that the team needed when he came in, and for a lot of different reasons, following the being better than everybody else scandal. But he was also a guy that, remember, like, right ahead of the first spring training, he did an interview a couple days before spring training where he was talking about how he was just getting started on learning the names of the guys on the roster. Like, there was a – it was a, a yeah. different – or whatever it was. It wasn't spring training that year. It was whatever it was. It was early summer training. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it just – this is a guy who's had to wait his turn. He's interviewed multiple times. And even though he's been with the organization, it still feels like he's hungry. And, and he also, like, I don't know, for whatever this generation needs, he's a kinder, gentler version of a baseball manager. He reads Nicholas Sparks novels. Oh, he's, okay. He keeps a journal. Yeah. 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 He's gonna, instead, of angry, instead of asking Chandler... Whether he read Camus, he's going to ask if the if the Notebook movie was a faithful adaptation of the novel. Yeah, yeah. Dusty called him Camus, uh, but yeah. Um, you know what I like too? Is that what you're going to criticize Dusty for, Sean? No, here's uh, what, I'll yeah, tell you what I'm gonna... mispronouncing the name of a French philosopher no, from the early, early, no, early 20th century. I'll, t- I'll give you something. You you want something for me to criticize yeah. Dusty for? Compared to Espada, Espada is the manager, and now all these guys are coming in in shape. You got Fromber looks shredded. You got Javier looks awesome. You got Abreu doing Pilates. Dusty's bringing damn banana pudding to people and then calling them fat during the season. Like he's. <laughs> well, yeah, wait, who would he go out for banana Chaz! pudding? With? Chaz. Meaning call him fat, but the rumors behind the scenes were that he was <laughs> disappointed in Chaz's weight. <laughs> Dusty's... You think the banana pudding date was a test? Dude, with Chaz? Yeah. It's kind of like what I see in a bit date orders lobster. You know, they're like, oh, wow, you're just. Just going there, huh? You're yeah. gonna, you're just gonna do, order the most expensive thing on the mm-hmm. menu. Mm-hmm. That's not. Nope, you're done. I'm not. You're not my. You're not my kind of gal. That's what he. That's what he thought of Chaz when Chaz got the banana Chaz pudding. Banana pudding down the front of his jersey five <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> well, I guess Chaz likes that banana pudding. Uh, all right, let's keep acknowledging here. <laughs> Paul Wall, acknowledge. Acknowledge me. Paul Wall. Paul Wall. Now I don't know that Saquon Barkley is what's best for the Texans. Um, Seth, we know how you feel about that. You're more of a Derrick Henry guy. I like a guy who's had more than one good season in the last which, five years. Which I understand. Yeah. I think it makes perfect yeah. sense. But Paul Wall, if we're going to give cre- maybe not credit for the evaluation of which player he is offering this up to, but maybe just the spirit of him trying to help the Texans, he offered up free grills for Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley liked the tweet. Saquon, yeah. but more love language from Saquon Barkley. So Paul Wall, team player, man. Offering up free grills to try to get Texas. Last I checked, to try to get Texans players here, grills don't count against the salary cap, man. That's all. Yeah, I've, all, I've long advocated that NFL teams need to have a booster, uh, a booster club. Yes, where you you do your own little NIL a collective. You know, they, they've got that going out in San Francisco. Like various athletes will kind of they'll get exposure to different Silicon Valley investments that they might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that was something that was very appealing to Kevin Durant since they claim they never talked about championships in their meeting out there on the Hamptons, but whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah we, need our, we need all of our local entertainers, yes. oil and gas professionals, uh, plastic surgeons and what have you mm-hmm. to just offer up all of their expertise and uh, investment That's opportunities. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. No, th- the, other, the other tweet that Saquon had liked in the little screenshot that you had 
It was um, Cam Hayward saying, "Funny how you get hurt and kill yourself just to get the back, just to get back to play and be a hundred percent." Now they want you to retire because I was hurt all year. At least I know where y'all stand. Y'all quick to forget when I'm healthy. But I look forward to reminding y'all. I feel like there's a little bit of Saquon feeling like that spoke for oh, him too. Oh, he liked it because Cam Hayward is speaking for him too. Funny how you guys forget that mm. when I have one good season in five years that, uh, <laughs> that I'm capable of that 20% of the time. 20% of the time, I was just going to say. There's a 20% yeah. chance I could be amazing this year. Um, all right, let's keep moving. Acknowledge... Cam Newton. Acknowledge me. Dude, I know you saw this video of Cam Newton at this seven-on-seven yeah. tournament that he's part of, that he his organization, uh, C1N, founded in 2021 to focus on developing young athletes' skills in football by giving them opportunities to compete at the highest level through seven-on-seven tournaments. Well, they were competing at the highest level yesterday in MMA. There was a brawl at Cam Newton's seven-on-seven tournament and at least in the 30 seconds of footage that i saw seth looked like cam was holding his own with those young bucks it it wasn't even like i i I would say that three guys tried to start a brawl and it just turned into them kind of helplessly flailing at cam newton like in the it was like a adult version of the how many five-year-olds would it take to beat up cam newton (laughs) this was more like how many actual full-grown adults who are in pretty good shape would it take to beat up cam newton and it's definitely more than three so, yes. yeah, he kind of just flung guys away from him and pushed them off. I don't – could you tell if Cam even threw a punch? I felt like he was just kind of holding them at bay. It was the, – the video I saw, the first eight seconds of it or so were from, yeah. like, facing up at a stage from kind of far away. You could kind of see a silhouette of the fight almost. Yeah, yeah, and it looked like Cam was able to throw a guy off the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And then it immediately cut. It was almost cinematic. It immediately cut – to a close-up of everything going on down near the fence line there where Cam near was a in fence, the mix. like over a lake or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Very picturesque fight scene. It was. No, it was very almost well like, produced. I always thought it was staged at first. It did. Yeah. It was very well produced. I, You know, for a 30-second schmoz, it was really well produced. I, I want everybody, if you see that video, to remember that the next time you get frustrated with a defensive lineman missing a sack. Um, yeah. It's really hard to bring those guys down. He's huge. <laughs> He's huge. But no, it reminded me of Steve Mc... It was reminding me of the time Gary Walker and I hit Steve McNair at, like, at the same time, and he just kind of like brushed it off like a, piece of, like a, like a, a dry Kleenex had landed on him <laughs> and it just stepped to the side and, and threw a pass. We did yeah. the, Gary and I did the whole clanging like, uh, desktop little oh, the clanging balls the thing. little balls, yeah. 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 Um, it is, though. It is, people underestimate just how sheer size and muscle can help you fend off lesser humans dude i've got like every time in my life when i've got jumped by frat boys or something it's been kind of comical like it like, hasn't happened in a long time like at least <laughs> you made it's been s- at least two months you, <laughs> <So> like, <laughs> you multiple times though it sounds like yeah right? going back to college okay. yeah and it just it always is like kind of you kind of laugh it off you're like Get, you can just yeah. like push, push these kids away from me i feel me. bad for you yeah. that would suck like walking around going this might be a night where i get jumped by frat boys i, I might have been complicit in okay <laughs> all right all right <laughs> i'm not saying i hadn't egged it on somehow but it's just nothing though but it doesn't like uh, that's why i thought with cam it's not even a fight it's like it's so unfair that you just kind of you kind of shrug it off yeah because they're like they're not doing anything to you yeah Uh, it would like it it's it it would take it would take multiple normal sized human beings it would take like five guys to tackle cam newton and actually get him on the ground like cam never even got he had three guys coming at him and he never even came close to hitting the ground yep all right last one 
Taste of Texas, or I'm sorry, Taste of South Texas barbecue cook-off team. Acknowledge me. They won the cook-off, man. 250 teams in the 50th annual cook-off and the Taste of South Texas barbecue team, led by Brian Grantham and team owner Jeff Clark, took home the grand champion prize. Best cumulative score in all of the meat categories. Oh, all the of the meat categories. Yep, okay. best cumulative score in all of the meat categories. So, um... So they are the B. They are the uh, the big winners, man. Uh, Two hundred fifty squads. I was out there on Friday. Yeah. Um, oh, and big, you know what? I'm a, we got to acknowledge the, uh, the the morning bull and one hundred point three, and everybody me. involved with with their tent, with our company's tent. They do an incredible job, man. They got that thing set up all week long, and the concerts were great in there. Um, the crowds were great. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, that's a process, man. So acknowledgement to them uh, as well. It was good cook. Uh, I wonder with uh, with the thing about barbecue that always impresses me is that like they have to they got to deal with different atmospheric conditions and everything too. I get very stressed out when I'm grilling and just even if it's cold out and every, like everything changes a little bit. That's a it's a and it's a, such an extended period of time. You got to keep your eye on everything. Yeah, uh, I, I would much. I'm more impressed with those guys than I am with any like five star French restaurant chef that just oh let me put a bunch of duck fat on this. That'll mm-hmm. that'll please the fat bastards out in the dining room. Right, Barbecue, right. you got to actually you gotta you gotta be very meticulous about things. atmospheric conditions for sure. Weather was great yeah. out there this weekend. It was it was a whole lot of fun. So I'm told the French put beans in their barbecue. Too. They do. <laughs> Yes. In the chili, excuse me. In the chili, yeah. yeah. And their barbecue. All right. um, It's fine in your barbecue, but the chili is mm -hmm, my point. mm -hmm. Um, Payne and Pendergast with you on a – Payne and Pendergast with you on a a Monday. All right, let's let's circle back over to the the Texans. Um, Is the desire to pay Mike Evans – Blatant disrespect of this guy. We'll tell you who that is coming up next. There's disrespect. I'm here for it. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Hey, real quick, uh, Peter oh. King retiring, Seth. Uh, retiring, retiring, or well, John McLean retiring? It, like, well, uh, it's, it's funny you say that. It's, it, Peter King, prominent yeah. national football writer who's got I've, probably one of the most highly Red columns on Mondays uh, on football internet. Um, it's on NBCSports.com. It lived for years on Sports Illustrated. Calls it Football Morning in America. It used to be the Monday Morning Quarterback. Um, but Peter King says uh, he's retiring with an asterisk next to it. Seen this movie before. <laughs> I'm retiring, asterisk. Said I use an asterisk because I truly don't know what the future holds for me. I probably will work at something, but as I write this, I have no idea what it'll be. Maybe it'll be something in the media world, yeah. just not football morning in America, nay, Monday morning quarterback. I wonder, uh, you know, Peter King is uh, somebody that could probably do, I think he could just do his own sub, uh, uh, what's it, sub stack or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I it was a weird fit, that column on pro football talk just because pro football talk is exclusively small blurbs of information yeah. little recaps of st- news stories and then that was like the one long piece thing per week that would be on there was football morning in america Ten thousand. So I, I wonder if what's that Ten thousand words Ten thousand words yeah. my god a week so i wonder if maybe just maybe he ends up 
doing something somewhere else and this is like a polite way to say he's because he's still very sharp and he's still very he writes about things that I'm interested in he's very plugged in yeah I I feel like you're right I think that's the big thing for me just as a consumer I'm like okay he I of the 10,000 words I end up reading like 3,000 of them every week but the 3,000 that I read like there's there's rare is the football morning in America Monday column that doesn't have something that's usable on this show right that's that's what I'll miss the thing about him is, like, Peter King was always a guy that wrote nice long articles, and he's had to make that transition to internet writing and doing more television like everybody in media has had to. But I feel like he did it much more gracefully than, say, Rick Riley, uh, who, like, <laughs> just abandoned everything that used to make Rick Riley good. And now a lot of kids listening don't even know who I'm talking about because right. he's kind of been gone for a while. But even, like... People that are like millennials might not even realize that Rick Riley used to be a badass sports writer. Yeah. Uh, because he just started writing for the internet and doing TV stuff and everything and kind of just had, had a bunch of bad takes when he started to try to do all this short yeah. form stuff. That was rough. The it Rick, was. It was Rick sad to Riley see. Riley transition to ESPN was rough. He got paid Somebody. a lot of money, though. He well, he, they wanted him to be a hot take guy. Yeah, and he's not. A, he's just a really good writer. Some people are just you got to stick to what you're really, really good at. Indeed. Except the problem isn't people aren't paying for that type of content anymore. Yep. So, um, so Peter King, salute. This is his last football morning in America column. He lists all the reasons why he's doing this, and in classic Peter King fashion, it's way too long to read on the air. But uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. But to that's reading what we'll do in the nine o'clock hour. In nine o'clock hour. We're going to read Peter King's <laughs> football morning in America column we verbatim. I can remember there was I can't remember there was an article once that was really interesting to Meltzer, Meltzer and me and we decided you know what let's do something where we just read the article on air and we'll just kind of comment on it and Landry wow. was so angry Landry would not even like make eye contact with oh he was your the, producer the, at the time he was our producer at the time and he was like seething the entire like glaring at us the entire time <laughs> it was like just glaring. <laughs> It was very uncomfortable. Uh, uncomfortable for me. I don't, Mike, Mike was oblivious to it. Um, so, I, Mike Evans, very polarizing topic on this station. Um, like Mike Evans, like him a lot. I was um, doing some reading up on Nico Collins this week, and Nico did, Nico did an interview with Aaron Wilson where he, he had some quotes out there. I don't know what exactly the event was that Aaron was at getting quotes from Nico Collins, but they were good, and Nico... Yeah. Just to sum up, Nico left the door open for negotiations if the Texans want to talk about an extension. I have no idea if the Texans are entertaining that right now or not. You know, we, we should point out with Nico, he's had this one good year. He dealt with injuries, largely healthy this year, missed a couple games. But when you're talking about giving tippy top money to Mike Evans or anybody in that in the receiving core, I think it seriously diminishes the chances of Nico Collins being back. I you know, just based on the the you know kind of balancing out and allocating your resources yeah. you know unless Mike Evans comes here on a hometown deal but i don't think i don't think he's going to do that i think even on a hometown deal he's going to be expensive maybe in the nico range nico collins numbers seth were better than mike evans last year on a per game basis like nico mm-hmm. was 7th in the league in yards per game 7th in the league in yards per catch his counting numbers other than touchdowns mike evans had 13 nico had 8 we're, we're practically identical to, to Mike Evans. And I think the big thing with Nico, too, is that he's he showed he's a complete receiver this year. You know, the whole route tree is available with with uh, with Nico Collins. So I, I don't know, man. When I feel I feel like when people are talking about, hey, man, if you can get Mike Evans, you go get him. You make that all-in move and you go get Mike Evans. I feel it's a little disrespectful to Nico Collins. 
I wonder, uh, it feels almost in a way with Nico, because he was here for a couple years and was banged up, and then because we've known Mike Evans for as long as we have. I don't know if you know this or not, Sean, but he's from Galveston. Mm. (laughs) I think you mentioned it. Yep. Him being from Galveston has turned into the new Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. It's like, <laughs> like you have to mention it every time you every yes. time you bring it up. You yeah. got to mention that he was Mike yep. Evans was was from Galveston. Yep. Yep. Um, no, but there, that I, I think that people look in their minds think of Mike Evans as like, oh yeah, he's bona fide, awesome, potential Hall of Fame type of guy. Versus Nico Collins, there's still an unknown quality there because we've just seen one year of this production from him, and we've seen some injuries before that. You know, Mike Evans, despite his age, has been very healthy. Um, but I, I think putting the numbers out there it, like that is very good and important to to just to step back and realize, all right, they're. If Nico stays healthy this year, there's no way in hell you're going to want to lose him. There's no, no way in hell you're going to want to lose him. You're going to you're, you're going to pay him a huge chunk of money to keep him here. Um, and then in the meantime, this draft is just loaded with wide receiver talent. And it like I I don't want to I don't want to forego like drafting one of these potentially great young receivers because I already signed Mike Evans in the offseason, when there are other places on this team, there are so many other holes on this roster. Like, this this roster has a boatload of holes right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize that, because they, they're losing a lot of free agents. They might not be marquee name guys, but even to get starters back in here or upgrades, there's a lot of holes on this roster. So, like, yeah, I'm all for having a studly wide receiving core, but they already do in some respects with their top two guys. And I want to. If I'm going to spend a, a good chunk of money, I want to fill in those other holes with free agency, and then you know fill in the the position that's already with strength was hopefully somebody you find over the next year or two in the draft or some other way, or maybe a a a, a more reasonably priced free agent signing that ends up being a really good role player in this wide receiving group. Yeah, I when I think of, okay, what are the chances that the Texans do something with Nico Collins this off season? And I know. Skeptics may be the wrong word, but maybe people who are more conservative about dishing out contract extensions would be like, well, I mean, he was injured those first two years quite a bit. You know, the numbers, I don't hold the numbers against Nico because that was a bad offense with bad coaches. Yeah. Um, the injury thing is on, you know, that's a lot of that's on Nico, you know, because they weren't, you know, they, they were, a lot of them were like injuries that you look at guys and go, okay, he might be injury prone. You know, it wasn't like somebody rolled his ankle or something like that. Um, he missed a couple games this year, but I think largely I, I look at this past season, Seth, as serious progress in the durability question about Nico yeah. Collins. It was a positive for him in terms of durability. But when I look at, okay, the, the only thing that matters is what are the chances the Texans do it. It doesn't matter what we think about it. The Titus Howard extension last year makes me feel like anything is possible with anything when it comes to giving extensions to guys. Yeah, Because Titus Howard got a three-year extension at a pretty nice clip and had never really truly been a good right tackle for any extended period of time. Hell, he spent more time injured and at left guard than he had playing right tackle over the last few as years. As far as, like, um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he had established himself as a genuinely solid right tackle, but okay. still with an unknown upside. So you're right. Like, they actually reward him like like yeah. he was already that proven te- right tackle plus guy. Yeah. Over an extended period of time wasn't there. Um, yeah, I like it. And that's good as far as just what we talked about earlier is that the Texans haven't they they've had very few drafted players 
contribute over the last couple of years. This last year, they were the lowest in the league in terms of snaps by drafted players. And then when you add into that, um, you look at just I'm, – I'm looking at the holes on the roster right now. Like, just to be clear to everybody, you right now only have one starting caliber linebacker. You run a 4-3. That means you need at least two other starters. I don't – like, Henry Toa Toa hasn't really shown evidence of him being that guy. I don't no. want to go into a season with him being that guy. Jake Hansen certainly is not. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's what you have. You have Christian Harris. That's your one starter. You know, at cornerback – You've only got one starting cornerback at this point. Yep. You've, you've really, you've got, you don't have any tight ends on the roster right this moment. You don't have any running backs that are starting caliber running backs on the roster this moment. Well, now, now I can't classify Damian Pierce as a starting caliber. He got no snaps in the playoff game. No, he's not right now. Yeah. So, like, they don't have a single running back that you feel comfortable starting the game with right now. There are a lot of holes on this roster and they can fill them. It's just that I don't, that's why I'm so averse. To signing a veteran at wide receiver, a high price veteran high at wide price, receiver. Yeah. They've got all these other holes. Like it's like I agree with Lopez that they're gonna have to spend. Um, or it's a great time to spend because you have the flexibility to do so. It's just in where are you gonna spend that money? You can't spend it at every single position. Yeah. Um, text message, I'm pretty objective, I swear. This is not being a homer. There's no way I would take Mike Evans over Nico Collins. I think what the Mike Evans people I think what the you know, the Lopez's of the world that would be you know, that just feel like it's, man, you you go get Mike Evans and you pay and whatever it is, it is, would say that you don't have to take Mike Evans over Nico Collins. You get both, you yeah. know, at least for a year, maybe two, if you choose to franchise Nico or whatever. I mean, you franchise Nico, now you're talking really about spending a lot of money, at least in 2025 at wide receiver. Here's the here's the thing about free agency and why it's, it's dicey to say, hey, we're just going to spend our way to magnificence because we're right there. This, it's, if you can think about it, it's just like if you're uh, an investor and you're investing in businesses, there's going to be some businesses that are right for you and not right for you. So I'm not talking about buying stock. I'm talking about actual businesses where you're going to be like an advisor to them and everything. Like if you decide, all right, I'm going to buy 10 businesses, there's a, a few of those are going to fail, you know? Uh, if you decide, like, no, I'm going to buy three businesses, and I'm going to take these ten businesses that are in the pool, and I'm going to really figure out and find the right the ones that's right for me, and then I'm going to make sure that I devote the energy and resources to making sure that those businesses uh, work out after mm. I can focus all my energy in those three. That's kind of how I look at free agency. You're similar when you start just basically going on a shopping spree. You're doing it just what people do on a shopping spree. You're spending indiscriminately. You're just grabbing by the arm loads, trying to put as much into your shopping cart as you can. And you end up wasting a lot of money. And you also end up wasting a lot of opportunity for younger guys, too, uh, because you're just you're throwing money at a problem. And just time and time and time again, you can see that when you take on that attitude of, hey, we're going to throw money at this problem, it becomes really easy to, con- to ignore the actual issues and the actual the actual um, items that you're, you should be focused on. Yeah, It's just like in any, in any industry, sports or otherwise, when your solution becomes we're going to throw money at the problem, you're setting the stage for problems down the line. Yeah. It's, a, it's a horrible attitude to have. Well, and by it's nature, a horrible attitude to have. By nature, you're ta- you, you are talking yourself into several of those things. It's, it's the New York Yankees. Yeah. It's yeah. the New York Yankees have been in a vicious cycle of like, well – Hey, you know, when things get tough, we'll just spend a lot spend. of money. Yep. And now you got Giancarlo Stanton, you know, mm-hmm. playing 80 games a year for you for the next 
five years. It's true. Right? It's true. How many more years of Giancarlo Stanton? I don't do know. I, I think uh, 13 more years on or his contract. Out there, probably yeah. what it feels like. Um, interesting point by a texture. We already did the get one good season in five thing. David freaking Johnson. <laughs> oh, so yeah, talking about how uh, Saquon. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I would say he's had two good seasons in the last five. Only one impressive, like genuinely impressive season in the last five seasons. The important thing is that in each of the last five seasons, Derrick Henry has had a better season head-to-head than uh, Saquon Barkley has had, mm-hmm. including the year that Derrick Henry only played eight games. He had a better year than Saquon Barkley. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 